This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app where fun is fast. Welcome. Chairman. Sorry, interim chairman, Tom. Yeah, it doesn't sound so good when you say that. I quite like the sound of chairman, Tom, but I am only an interim, aren't I? Because we are going to try and find another member of this club to take over this job from me and do it a little bit better. Hopefully, yeah. I just I was thinking, of what do all good clubs need? Good clubs, okay. Well, okay, so a chairperson is on its way. We've got a club secretary. We've got applications for a club secretary. Got some members. We've got a sponsor in Zwift. We've got social channels. I think we're doing all right, aren't we? Yeah, but <clears throat> what are we going to be wearing? You know, when we go out on our club rides or if we all jump in on Zwift, we need, we need good gear, don't we? I would love it if we could come up with a, with a team kit for the GTCC. But before we do, we need to talk about what makes great kit great, don't we? And what makes bad kit bad. Should we do an episode about kit? Let's do it. Okay, cool. So what makes a good jersey though? Does it, the colours, the the logos, design, what, what are we going for here? God, that is a great question because there's different trends are big at different times, aren't they? Like some of the jerseys when I was a kid, like the 80s ones, they looked like someone had gone mad in the paint shop. And then it went about 10, 15 years later, it went full circle. And it was all about monocolours and stripping it back. Like the jerseys, even the jerseys you wore at Sky, there's been quite a change in those. Remember that first one with the Adidas three stripe down the sleeve that was such so wide that it was wider than Chris Froome's actual arm? Yeah, yeah. I like them though. They were quality with the three stripes. And to be fair, I've, I like most of the jerseys we've had in our team. The Rafa ones were always nice and things, but there's something about the retro jersey, which is just class, you know, and timeless almost. So I'm leaning towards that. The weird thing for you must be as a pro rider, because you get no input whatsoever to what your jersey looks like. Now you've been at the same team for a long time, but let's say when the, 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 the white and the black jersey at Sky, when you win the tour in 2018, when that changes next season to that sort of strange maroon of Ineos, like what happens if maroon's not your colour? What happens if you look terrible in maroon? Well, when I won the tour, actually, we had the whale jerseys, didn't we? The, oh, the killer Rescue. whale on the back, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently that was done by um, James Murdoch. I heard it was his, was it his wife who did it. I heard that she sketched it on the back of a napkin, napkin. which is, which is yeah. why it looks a bit sketchy around the edges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently they had all these, you know, big paying money to all these design people. And then uh, Dave and Fran had this WhatsApp just image come through basically of, oh, let's do this. And basically they just went with that. And that's how we ended up with this, yeah, drawing of a whale basically that his wife did. What are the other classics? Like we go back down the years, you might think about the Peugeot one. That's still quite a popular one, isn't it? For people to wear out. I've got one of them. Have you? Actually, yeah. An I've original? Got, no, I actually bought it on eBay. Well, I got my mate to buy it on eBay because I don't have a count. But yeah, <laughs> I've got, I've got um, the Peugeot Tommy Simpson National Championship one. So it's got nice. GB flags on the court, on the shoulders. And then the rest is just the normal sort of Peugeot kit, which is all white. It's got the Czech, you know, black and white flag and big Peugeot across the chest. And it's just class, isn't it? Like, I think if I was going to, if I was lucky enough to become national champion again, I'd want something like that. Because our kit, the national champ kit is nice, but it's also like, 
you get a lot of Mickey taking in the peloton, like calling us the Dutch national champs and stuff, because it's basically red, white, and blue bands, and it basically looks like the Dutch flag. It's not, yeah, it, it doesn't really represent. It's got the colours of our flag, but that's about it. So I'd definitely go down that route. I've also got, a, you know, the Maltini one, the Eddie Merckx. Oh, that's a beauty. I think that's my favourite ever jersey. It's just class. That I've actually bought that on eBay as well with the shorts, the woolen versions. So, um, <laughs> yeah, class that. I want to go, I want to get full on retro kit at some point, you know, go out, get, get an old bike with um, down tube shifters and cables that are sticking out from the top of my brakes you know that you can almost chew on when you're riding they're that high bidons on the front mounted on the bars exactly yeah like maybe two metal bidons like go really old school yeah 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 yeah. so i've got the kit so yeah i've, I've got a long way to go shoes and everything tie around my neck <laughs> spanner to change the gears <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah maybe you should come out here and we'll go all retro that is a great shout. So basically, the only way that I'm ever going to stick with you on a ride, in fact, I say that, we did one ride once and you were hungover, so it wasn't too bad. <laughs> but let's say the only way I'm going to stay with you on a ride when you're not hungover would be if you have to go on the oldest possible bike and then I get a version of your Pinarello. Should we do that? Yeah. It'll be, let's do it. That'll be interesting, that. That'll be good fun. Right, okay, that's a deal. We're going to do that. At some point in the GTCC, you, Geraint Thomas, are going to race me on a hundred-year-old bike, and I'm going to see if I can make up for a hundred years of technology by keeping <laughs> up with you. So that thing about laughing at each other in the peloton, that genuinely happens, does it? Like, there's been a few kits, and we'll talk about this more um, later on. There's been a few kits which are just absolute stinkers. I know that the AG2 R Mondial one's a bit controversial with the brown shorts and the weird blue, but occasionally you get a kit that you lot must just look at and go, I am so glad I don't ride for that team. Yeah, there's definitely been a few over the years. Ones that stand out from over the years, like Calmay, that was a bad kit. That was like vertical white, green and blue stripes or something. And it was just really bad, wasn't it? Yeah, the Calmay was good. And obviously Chippo, all those different jerseys he had. Remember the start of the Giro once when he had basically full sleeve, full like leg, all, all in one, which I think was against the rules anyway so he probably just paid that fine straight up and then it was that muscle suit so it's basically yeah. like you know you go to those like i don't know biology like museums and you see like a whole muscle person with the skin off basically like the body works thing where they plastinate the body yeah yeah it was basically a suit like that that he used for the start prologue of the the giro d'italia which was like bonkers but like yeah, it was just so good to see, wasn't it? Especially when you're a kid and you're just like, wow, look look at look what Chippo's got on there. He did it a few times, didn't he? Just some wacky, like, jerseys. He did. The thing about Cipollini was, because he was a sprinter and he'd always been off the tour before you got to the mountains, like, he probably could get away with, let's say he was wearing a completely transparent jersey. That body jersey actually represents what he looked like. But for a lot of people in the peloton, they will never have a body of the sort that was displayed on his jersey. They'll never have that six-pack, those massive pecs, big biceps. Yeah, he could get away with a lot, couldn't he? I think that's good, though. I think the sport needs some of that, you know? But the worst, then, is if somebody's trying to push that image on themselves. You've got, it's got to come naturally to you. You know, that's, there's this weird thing with bands sometimes where if you really like the, the music of the band, your brain sort of forgets that the band's name is rubbish. So, like, there's an argument that Oasis is a terrible name for a band. 
like, what would you call it? Oasis. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But because you like the music, you go with it. And maybe sometimes with jerseys, like I've got really strong, fond memories of the Z jersey that Greg LeMond wore when he won the tour. But thinking about it, it's horrible. It's a massive Z yeah. and the colours of it are rubbish. It's like it's out of a Batman cartoon. But in my head, because I love Greg LeMond and I love the way he rode, I'm thinking it's a great jersey. It's the same with baby names. Like Brian. Imagine baby Brian. <laughs> but like suddenly you get older and then it's Brian. Yeah, it's just Brian, isn't it? It's normal. That's a normal name. But <laughs> a little one-year-old, little Brian. It's just weird. That. Little, baby Ke- little baby Keith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, let's talk more about jerseys in a minute, G. And I know you've got us a guest. Um, we've got to have a few adverts. You did quite a shambolic job of queuing us in the adverts last time. So I'll do it. Here are the ads. Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, Walter Winchell, Joe DiMaggio, Joe McCarthy, Richard Nixon, Studebaker, Television, North Korea, South Korea, Marilyn Monroe. Casey, wait, wait, wait. What? We need to explain what we're doing. We're only doing such a fantastic history podcast based on the Billy Joel smash hit, We Didn't Start the Fire. Every episode covers a different person or a different topic expressed by Mr. Joel in his amazing lyric. So it's the Cold War, it's rock and roll, it's sport, it's science, it's politics, it's the space race, it's the history of the post-war world. It's the reason, Katie, why the world we live in today is as it is. You can listen and subscribe at all the normal places you get your podcasts. So please join us on this rip-snortin', rock'em', sock'em', pop culture adventure with me, Katie Puckrick. And me, Tom Fordyce, search for We Didn't Start the Fire now. Gee, I've got good news. We've got another sponsor. Our friends at Amp Human are on board. Now, they're a human performance company dedicated to helping athletes at all levels achieve their potential. So even amateurs like me. Amp's flagship product, PR Lotion, is the world's first and only lotion to deliver the natural electrolyte bicarb to the body. Now, I know this sounds a bit fancy, but you've been using this PR Lotion for the last two years, haven't you? What's it like? Yeah, I like it. It's obviously, I use it for any hard session, really, on Zwift, uh, in time trials as well. You just lather up in it, basically, whichever muscles you're using. Yeah, and it just gives you that bit of a buffer, and it, I definitely feel it sort of helps me. Well, there's also 40 years of data showing bicarb's ability to buffer acid as it builds up in muscle during exercise. Studies show a 50% reduction in muscle soreness when using PR lotion. And even better... Amp Human is giving our listeners 25% off their next purchase using the code GTCC and then the number 25. Just visit amphuman.com forward slash GTCC and start training with your PR lotion today. Gee, do you want to lead us into this? Do you want to introduce our guest? Uh, I haven't really thought of an introduction, but I can wing it. I could do it for you if you want. <laughs> Hello, I'm Paul Smith. I'm here in my studio in London. Perfect. I think that'll do. Welcome, Hello. sir, Paul Smith. So yeah, cheers. Thanks. Can I see some jerseys behind you there? What's that? Some. Yeah, there's uh, several hundred. I've never counted them actually, but there's a lot. Wow. All right, we've got to talk about those. And then they're they're just jerseys, but over here is signed uh, jerseys. Fantastic. G and I've just been talking, Paul about it's one of these impossible questions really but what makes a great cycling jersey what would you throw into the mix uh well it's a tough one because you you need uh 
comfort. You need practical aspects, you know, like the these days the full zip down the front, uh, UV on the back, the breathable on the front, and hopefully not too many logos and sponsors' names, and uh, which is of course very dependent on uh, how, how lucky you are as a team to uh, to maybe have just one or two sponsors rather than a local club, which. Uh, the sweethearts, I love them dearly, but they do have to have the the window cleaner and the, <laughs> the the roof maker and the yeah candlestick maker. You know, so simple. Keep it simple. Hopefully, in a solid colour. If you're blessed with a good logo, wonderful. And uh, of course, when I, I'm I'm so extraordinarily old that I used to ra- I used to race in woolly jerseys, jerseys made out of wool. Not even posh wool, like merino wool or something like that, just wool. <laughs> so <laughs> when you got wet, riding up the Snake Pass in Derbyshire at the weekends and getting really soaking and the jersey getting heavier and heavier and itchier and itchier. <laughs> so it was pretty... Uh, things have changed a lot since then. Of course, they were enormous as well. Yeah, I mean, they used to, they used to have a... Just traditional shirt collars on on a on a jersey, which of course, when you were going downhill, they'd fly <laughs> up like <laughs> like ears. There's something class about that, though, isn't it? I love those. We were just talking briefly before, just like that old retro jersey. There's something about it, which you know, you can walk into a pub wearing one of them, and people wouldn't even know it's a cycling jersey. They've been they've been been a, a big influence on a lot of my work. So you know. I've done a lot of uh, cycling, uh, well, not just cycling, but sports-inspired clothes over the years, especially like a fine-gauge wool sweater with a zip up the front. I think you've got some of them, actually, G, you know, with the little stripe around the neck. and Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think they designing jerseys now as well, especially pro jerseys, they take into account aerial shots, don't they? Like, you know, camera from the side, so... All that comes into play when it comes to sponsorship and that. Yeah, when I did the uh, Giro one, it was the same. I, you know, 2013, I did the Giro jersey, and I was desperate to go, try and get Paul Smith as high up the jersey as I could. So uh, <laughs> yeah. when the when the when the GC rider was being interviewed, uh, I might get my name in there somewhere. Did you manage it? I did. Yeah, I'm not Good sure they're that happy, but. <laughs> Let's talk about your collection of jerseys then, Paul. So G and I can see, because we're chatting on, on a Zoom call, we can see some of these jerseys behind us. But you've collected these for years, haven't you? So you've got some modern British classics. You've got some continental classics. You've got, have you got a, a Jamondi one from when he won the Worlds in the early 70s? Because that is a beauty. Yeah, yeah, I know. That has to be one of my favourites. Uh, yeah, just it's fine wool. It's, it's when wool, the jerseys got a bit lighter because it was... Uh, 1973 i think and uh yeah wonderful wonderful jersey i think that's my absolute favorite to tell the truth i've not i've lost it at the moment what where it's in, <laughs> it's in there somewhere <laughs> i don't admit that to too many people but it's in there somewhere i hope i hope what about modern jerseys then paul any that stand out as nice to you or is it more you're more into the retro well, I mean, I like the plain, plain jerseys. I mean, you know, I thought the original Sky one was really good because it was yeah. so simple. Did you see the uh, the new EF Education First uh, jerseys from the Giro with the wacky oh. ducks all over it? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the one that was done with uh, with uh, the company, the street brand called Palace. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was uh, obviously it got a lot of press for them. I mean, it's not. It's <laughs> that's, not. That's a polite it's, way of saying, nah, crap, yeah. mate. <laughs> or you could say. <laughs> <laughs> because the the helmet had a duck on it, didn't it? Well, here's one for you. There's there's not many uh, restrictions when it comes to designing our new jersey, so feel free to send us a few images if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so can we talk about the contract of the free fee later? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you'll have to deal with our chairman. Uh, yeah, I'm I am the chairman for the time being. Although I hope to relinquish that role quite quickly. It's only more fun. <laughs> Lycra, Lycra just doesn't look great though, does it? You know, if you, when you're a professional athlete, you know, it kind of fits all right. But when you're like a middle-aged bloke carrying a bit of timber, you walk into a coffee shop fully Lycra'd up. Yeah, yeah. Clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop. <laughs> into the coffee shop with their, on their heels like this. <laughs> and then, uh, it's, yeah, it's not a great look, is it? No. So I think we need to take that into account as well, Tom, when we're designing ours. It needs to be a bit looser fitting and, well, you you can do obviously uh, you could do the the racing jerseys. You could do a you know one that's a regular fit. Yeah, yeah, they're just not made for walking in either, are they? Because like when you think about it, when you hunch over on a bike, like in an, if you've got a normal t shirt on, it looks fine, doesn't it? Because it's all the same length down. But as soon as you hunch over on a normal t shirt, it all bunches up. So cycling jerseys obviously kind of come up a bit, like a V almost from the bottom yeah the shape the shape is really different yeah you can be ordering a cappuccino and they can see your belly button that's it that's the worst possible thing for for an amateur when you <laughs> you know you as you say you're riding this top which is beautifully designed for your bike and then you stand up and you've got this just this little bulge over the top of your bib shorts between the bottom of the the, the bottom of your jersey and top and you think oh my yeah. god what is that it's me <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you'll be pleased to know when i ride my my old Bike in, in Tuscany, I, I wear a white T-shirt, ordinary shorts and a pair of trainers because there's no way I'm going to get into Lycra with uh, uh, anymore. No way. <laughs> but what would you, like, for someone like G, like, we'll be familiar, if you've been a national champion, as you know, Paul, on your, on your team kit, you get to wear a band of your flag uh, around the end of one of your sleeves. So is that something we should look at with the GTCC, with the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club? Do we need something that almost uh, flags up what G's done in his career? Uh, I mean, I think if you... I don't know what you're allowed to do in terms of colours you're allowed to use or whatever. I think it's a free... At this point, it's a free-for-all, G, isn't it? Yeah, this is... Literally just started talking about it half an hour ago, so I reckon <laughs> yeah. no restrictions. <laughs> so it's live. Yeah. There's a great... I'm not suggesting this, incidentally, but Tom Simpson, uh, who wore the Peugeot uh, jersey... And he had uh, Union Jacks on the shoulders, which was fairly a long time in the in the sixties. You know that was pretty amazing uh, doing that. Uh, and I'm, as I say, I'm not suggesting Union Jacks, but something small and subtle like that. You know, like the Welsh Welsh flag or you know whatever. Hey Paul, where do you stand? Right, there's, there's there's various discussions about kit. One of the one of the popular discussions you get about kit when you're out and you ride with your mates is whether amateurs should wear replica pro kits like it almost <laughs> seems more acceptable to wear the old retro ones that we've been talking about and the redone versions of those that you can get through certain companies rather than wearing the full kit of a current team where do you stand on that 
Well, yeah, I have a home in Italy, and if you suggested retro kit <laughs> or not their their favourite uh, riders' kit, then you you'd be laughed out of the place, you know, because they love supporting, you know, their their personal because a lot of them are from small villages and. Uh, but I think here, you know, I see, because I, I live in London, a lot of people just wear black these days, black on black on black on black, a black bike and black everything, really. <laughs> you know. but I, I've, always, I've always thought, I wonder whether ever a, a, a team could get away, pro team could get away with absolutely no name on the kit because you publicise the fact that yours was the, the team that had no name on it <laughs> because certainly it would look stand out stand out so great in the in the peloton that would be brilliant yeah, it would actually yeah we should do that i'm i'm into going back to that question tom about you know what people call full kit wankers in the uk i'm <laughs> i'm all in for that i think if you're into a team you support a team buy the kit wear it with pride and get out there and I think, you know, there's a bit of like snobbery in there in, in cycling in certain quarters. I think, yeah, no need for that. I think just wear, go out there, support your team, wear whatever kit you want. I'm fully behind that. Is the only issue, G, that because, like, let's say other people start wearing Ineos kit or Team Sky kit, what about when you're out riding? Do you ever get someone who comes up to you and starts sort of saying, oh, who do you think you are, Geraint? Oh, you are Geraint Thomas. Uh, have, I told you, have I told you the story from L.A.? So I was basically riding along just this, I don't know, just random road, basically. This car pulls up and he's like, hey, man, who do you think you are? Geraint Thomas? And I just like look over to him, like through his window. This little boy was sat there in the passenger seat right next to me. He's like, holy shit, Geraint Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> and then his little kid was just sat there, like big smile on his face and stuff. And um, so that was proper random. That was for LA. You know, you go out there, you don't expect like, you know, it's all about American football and stuff, isn't it? So. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. What about Paul? The the idea of uh, wearing classification jerseys or, or wearing the leaders' jerseys for some of the Grand Tours. So I always think if you wear a yellow jersey, yes, you're paying homage to you know the the, the most iconic jersey, in the most iconic race. But also, it almost feels like you wear that on the road, you can't be overtaken. It's yeah. like if you wear a polka dot jersey going uphill, you have to be the best climber on that hill. Absolutely. I definitely wouldn't wear any of those. No, I think they're 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 sacrilegious. Those jerseys. Hey, do you, do you remember in the tour one year when um, there was like three or four guys? One had full on yellow jersey and shorts and stuff. Another green polka dot and white, I think. And they all jumped into the race. Oh God! Amazing. At the top at the top of a hill, like it was literally like the finish. And the, I think there was one guy maybe away on his own. He was going to win, and then suddenly these four random blokes like <laughs> all dressed up like basically like cycling's version of a streaker in football except they're obviously clothed oh it was quality it was funny but then at the same time you're like poor guy you know he's about to win like this massive stage of the tour on his own and then he got four numpties 280 kilometers <laughs> yeah. later and he's got these four jokers uh, behind him yeah yeah could you imagine yeah so so i'm definitely not promoting that but <laughs> it was quite funny to see as a one-off. Is there one bit of is there one bit of cycling kit, Paul, that you've never fallen in love with? So, I've got a friend who hates cycling caps, and this may be because he's got a massive head. He's got <laughs> one of those sort of sized heads that hats just don't look good on. But is there is there something that you've always struggled with? Well, I, well, I think I mean honestly, I think we've covered the thing I don't like, which is what 
the 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 big belly and the in the <laughs> coffee shop with a you know a, an over an over branded bit of lycra on it, it, it's pretty anybody who's not in cycling just can't believe their eyes i don't <laughs> you know they're just like what yeah what are the worst uh Worst uh, jerseys was one. I think it was from the eighty-seven. It was a Z. You know. Ah, oh, see, I like that one. That was a, that was very distinctive because it had it was Greg Lamond and Robert Miller, and it and it had the big Z on the front, and, and so you definitely couldn't miss it in the peloton. Uh, it wasn't my favourite. <laughs> Let's put it like that. It shows what Tom knows about fashion. So basically, what you've said is the worst was Tom's favourite. <laughs> your two favorites were my favorite so it's the reason why i'm not a a world-class designer has been knighted it's just the fashion that might be one of them i know uh, don't let tom do your jersey <laughs> what about so let, let's talk about that jersey g because you i'm sure you've got some ideas about colors you'd like maybe we can run some of these past paul and get his his expert opinion on what colors might work well like are we gonna the idea of having a, a quite a blocky look, Paul, I do like. Gee, what sort of colours are you leaning to? One of the most beautiful jerseys in the world is the, is the French national jersey. Oh, it's a beauty. It's, it's a cracker. I mean, it's just so beautiful. Blue, white, red, simple as anything, fantastic. Absolutely beautiful jersey. And, of course, the Italian football jersey, just in that plain azure blue. It's just genius. There's never a bad one, is there? There's never a bad Italian football kit. If you want a few, I've just done a design for a shop, actually, G, uh, the backdrop of a shop this morning, which is in blocks of colours. So I could just send you the shop design. You could get a jersey from it. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. It's just it's just horizontal blocks of colour, you know, like there's a, a dark red, an orange, and a, a paler orange. I'm not saying those colours, but... It's it's pretty nice uh, idea uh, to take the influence from the French uh, national jersey. I reckon it's really beautiful. Do you have a club a colour yet, or is that too early? Since you only designed, only thought about it forty five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have nothing actually, to be honest, Paul. It's a blank canvas. So, but I'm thinking red. Just you know, red for Wales, and I like red. Green, white, and red. For a Wales Welsh flag, yeah, mostly red, and then just a hint of white, white and green on the sleeve. That could work. Yeah, it sounds like you're 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 designing this as we speak, Paul. Yeah, yeah, I think I am. Yeah. <laughs> should we give Paul if if we are to use some of Paul's ideas on our jersey? I think we should definitely, like your Giro jersey, Paul. We'll find some way of incorporating your logo somewhere on our on our jersey. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. What about right at the front? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have GTCC on the chest, and then just underneath that, we'll have your trademark Paul Smith. Yeah, that would be lovely. <laughs> I'll better send you a few. Uh, I'll send you a few colours. Our chairman will send you the contract. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we could talk for hours, couldn't we? But we're probably not allowed anymore. We're probably not allowed. No. Paul, it's been fantastic um, having you on the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks so much for joining us. And yeah, if we send you a few designs, you want to run your eyes over them for us? Gee, we can put a few together, can't we? Yeah, of course, of course. And also, when you're in London, you're always welcome to see the uh, the jerseys for real. Fantastic. Cheers, Paul. Thanks a lot. Cheers, everybody. Bye. This podcast has very kindly been brought to you by our mates at Zwift, the indoor cycling app. 
And Tom, we're in week three of your journey now. Any horror stories? Yeah, funny you mention horror stories, actually. So I did the FTP test. Oof. Yeah. So, I mean, it's horror, but it's sort of useful horror, isn't it? Because this is what's going to help me set my training plans for all the other rides I do. So this was obviously various ramps and things like that. And then I had a one 20-minute effort when I was going flat out, which was fine for the first three minutes. And then I realised that I'd gone too hard. And then I was sort of hanging in there for five minutes. And then, because I'm doing it in my garage and I've got the garage door open, then our very nice postman, Martin, who's a big rugby fan, rocked up. And he wanted to talk about the rugby. But I was in the middle of this balls-out effort. <laughs> my attempts to chat to Martin, I'm hoping the reason why my FTP score wasn't quite where it should have been. But at least I did it. Yeah, fair play. Just remember one thing, mate, with FTPs. Don't go chasing the pain. It'll come. Yeah, it did. Big time. <laughs> and if you fancy trying out Zwift, go to Zwift.com to start a free trial. And you can join our weekly group rides every Wednesday at 6pm on the app. See you there. Gee, good guest again, to be fair to you. Do you think we got agreement from Paul there that he's going to help design our jerseys? I know we pushed it our luck a little bit. <laughs> uh, I think so. I don't think he really realises how much we're going to make him work for this. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully we'll get some good input and some uh, yeah good design ideas. We'll need it. Yeah, we will. We will. I didn't hear a single no from him, so I think that's a good thing. But listen, we talked a lot about pro jerseys and what the greats have worn. We need to talk about what people like me need to wear on a ride, the little tips you might have for us. So there's always someone on a, on a club ride, on a, on a ride you do with your mates, who gets it spectacularly wrong, who looks out the window and he just dresses, he or she just dresses for a totally different climate. So what are the little rules we should follow when we go out for a ride in terms of what we're wearing? Um, well, one thing my uh, coach told me back in the day when I was like 16, 17, was there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. So bearing that in mind, I think even if it does look like blue skies and stuff, especially in the UK, always have a rain jacket or something, some extra layer of protection in your back pocket. that You can fold up pretty small and shove it in there just in case. Because um, like back in the day, actually, and I'm talking about racing again here, but they used to hand up newspapers like on the top of climbs. Oh, um, people that. used to shove them down their, their jersey. So, you know, if you don't have a cape, uh, maybe look for a newspaper or something saying that. <laughs> I was out with Luke Rowe last year and he didn't have a jacket and it actually started raining on top of a mountain. We were like, oh, 1,500 metres high as well. So it was pretty high. And um, I was like, well, go, there's a wheelie bin over there. Go check over there, see if there's any cardboard. <laughs> and he did. He went in there, he was scuttling around. He managed to find this perfect size piece of cardboard, shoved that down his front front of his jersey. And he was laughing, nice and warm all the way down the descent then. So uh, Beautiful. Yeah, got to improvise sometimes. What about this idea that you should always start off slightly cold on the basis that when you take your bike out of the house or the flat and take down the stairs, you actually aren't moving, are you? And then it's, within about five, ten minutes of pedalling, your body temperature is going to go up. Because I'll often find I'll set off thinking, I've nailed this. I'm absolutely perfect. And then ten minutes in, the gloves are coming off and your zip's everywhere and you've got capes billowing behind you like Batman. <laughs> I still do that now, to be honest, but... I think it depends what you go, what you're doing. If you're going out with someone that's a bit better than you, I definitely wouldn't wear too much because you're going to be pushing yourself. But if you're just cruising, mincing around the lanes, then wrap up warm and just sort of yeah, have a nice cruise. Yeah, even even back when we were racing as kids and we didn't have the proper kit, like we used to use bin liners and everything. So just get a bin bag, 
cut two holes in the top and then shove your arms through there and one for your head obviously <laughs> you want to be able to see and uh, yeah we just use that as well it's hard it's preparation in it you just need to be ready um, I'm probably the not the best to ask about this because there's definitely times when I just sort of like especially when I start back after a break you, you forget everything you forget your spare tubes you forget your rain jacket and you can definitely get caught out but what about when you are putting your kit on before you leave the house so like the doomsday scenario for anyone is when you might be getting up early to go for your your ride on a Saturday or Sunday you don't want to really want to wake your partner or your flatmate so you're very quietly getting dressed in the dark and you you put your bib shorts on which by themselves are horrific as an item of clothing and then you might put your arm warmers on and then suddenly your flatmate or your partner flicks on the light and it's like you're this weird floating torso and it looks like you just come from some sort of deviant club on a night out. <laughs> I did have a flatmate, not a flatmate, a roommate when I was in Barlow World, my very first professional team. And he used to put his leg warmers on first. He'd be naked. That's horrific. And he'd put leg warmers on. And then, yeah, it, it's not the best sight. Just just get changed like normal, innit? Like, how would you normally get changed? You'd put your boxers on, then you'd put your trousers on, then you'd put a t-shirt on. Just do that, but with bike kit. What was the point when you first realised when you were a young rider that you don't wear pants with bib shorts? Yeah, it took a few sessions to realise actually till somebody pointed out to me. And it's not comfortable with, when you wear even Y fronts or... Extraordinary levels of chafing very quickly. Yeah, yeah. So and as soon as you go in, go in, as soon as you put your shorts on without anything on, suddenly you realise, <laughs> this, is, this, is this is what they're made for, you know? What about the thing, there's, there's stuff that you can do that, that I can't do in all sorts of ways in cycling. One of the weirder ones is you can put, while you're cycling, you can pull on a jacket from your back pocket and without pedalling, put it on. Now, not all pro riders can do this. We saw Jay Hindley at the Giro in 2020 almost stack it on the Stelvio because he, he, <laughs> he couldn't put his jacket on. So what are the tips for doing this? Is it almost like if I want to learn how to put a jacket on while I'm moving, do I need to take it back and just try it walking first of all? <laughs> I think the main thing is having a bit of speed. The reason he must have been struggling was because he's going up the Stalvio, you know, and it was towards the top, obviously. So he's pretty tired. He wouldn't be going that. You need the momentum to start with. And I guess, yeah, you want to maybe practice walking if you if you want. But <laughs> That's going to look great in the street, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You just, the one thing you've got to be careful of is your jacket going into your front wheel. Because... Um, in a pro race, uh, it was in Germany. Uh, Joe Dombrowski, he, used to, he was riding for the same team. And he was putting his jacket on and he was riding next to Luke Rowe, another teammate at the time. And his jacket had gone into his front wheel. He went to just pull it out and like it was properly slowing him down. Like he was jamming his front wheel. Like it, not excessively at that time. But Luke was like, look, leave it, leave it, stop. And then put your jacket on because it's caught in your front wheel. He's like, nah, it's all right. Gave it a massive yank. It stopped his front wheel dead, flying over the bar. He must have been going at least 25 mile an hour, you know, straight over the bars, onto his face. Looked like being in a round with Mike Tyson or something afterwards. Like, <laughs> it wasn't good. I've got one last question about Kit. Okay. For you as a pro rider, start of a year, talk me through what arrives at your flat. How many bits of kit? How big are the boxes? How much ludicrous stuff do you get? You do get a lot, but at the same time, you end up wearing the same thing. Like, you, you can go to... It's like when you go on holiday, you know? You take all this stuff for you. You end up wearing, like, just two pairs of shorts, flip-flops, and change a T-shirt every day, don't you? It's a bit like that. You, you kind of get all this kit. 
And to be fair, you only wear probably about 20% of it. So the rest of it, you end up giving away or whatever. And some of it goes into your parents' attic. Some of it just like just goes down to local club. A lot goes to charities and things. Like The thing is, the tough thing is though, with jerseys, you, you, you don't actually get that many, especially through a season. You know, there's crashes. There's just, you just end up losing stuff as well. Speaking of crashes, in the Giro 2020, I had a, a skin suit on at the time all in one suit basically crashed ripped it all up it's like oh this is like terrible i can't ride like this It's almost you know showing everything to the world <laughs> so go to the back of the car and then get my wet bag we call them it basically has all your spare kit all your cold weather stuff wet weather stuff so jackets gloves overshoes everything but obviously we had just changed uh sponsors so we had all new kit realized it didn't have any kit in there so basically the mechanics there just safety pinning my jersey up because out of the whole team, there was eight of us, obviously, at the race. Nobody had a jersey that I could put on. So, um, yeah, that was a bit of a bodge job. With some of the companies who make clothing for cyclists, like some of them are a bit cooler than others, aren't they? Some of them make some really nice off-the-bike stuff, like transfer tops and like nice, comfortable, merino, baggy tracksuit bottoms. What's the best stuff? Is there anything you've got that if you weren't a cyclist, you'd still knock about in it? I've got a nice sort of... Um just normal jacket that Rafa did one year actually but there were some things that they did as well which were like a bit wacky like a suit jacket that you could ride in that they gave us I was like look when I ride my bike I ride it you know you're training you're doing your job like I don't I'm not going to go to a dinner on my bike in this jacket I, I, I get it can work for some people commuting and stuff but it's one thing that we didn't really need talking about suit jackets actually um, Jeff Banks another iconic British designer designed my uh, wedding suits for our well wedding obviously and he also came to the he was in paris when i won the tour he was dancing he was one of the guys dancing around the stage topless i think he had a cigar (laughs) in one hand (laughs) so he's definitely someone that uh, it was obviously it was such last minute between him and paul i had to do the hands thing with sarah which is basically when we can't decide you know when you're in a restaurant you're like steak or burger what do i do we basically choose a hand. So Sarah will decide in her head which hand is burger, which hand is steak. And I choose one and that's the one we got to go for. And uh, that's what we did today with Paul and Jeff. We'll have to tap Jeff up next season, maybe, if we make it that far. Maybe Jeff can do our, our off-bike range that we'll develop for the GTC. Oh, nice, yeah. Maybe suits might be a bit too full on, but he can definitely do us a nice sort of uh, T-shirt or jumper or something, couldn't he? Right, Jeff, consider your job given out by the chairman. So it is time for any other business, G. This is our weekly club meeting for anyone who happens to be joining for the first time. I've got three things on the agenda today. I've got number one, the club wave. Number two, applications for club positions. Number three, a club song. G, I'll hand over to you to kick us off because item one is a suggestion from you. Yeah, so basically club waves, basically it's a bit... cycling etiquette in the uk really isn't it to wave to your fellow cyclist that's going the other way or you know if you're passing someone a nice little morning or or afternoon depends on time of day obviously doesn't it but yeah i think not that we're a club full of rules but and we say everyone's welcome but there's there is a certain sector that i don't really want to welcome and that's the too cool for school crew you know they just sort of ride around in all their flash kit and gear and then they don't wave at you like not too keen on that crowd. Just give a nice little wave. That's what we're about. That's an, uh, 
you know, if you see a fellow GTCC member, maybe give him a, I don't know. I was going to say a two-handed wave, but it might be a bit dodgy for some people. But <laughs> just a nice little shout or something, because, uh, yeah, that's what we're all about now. Yeah, I like that a lot, because you sometimes get the feeling when you're at my level that when you see someone coming the other way, that both of you are doing this one-second assessment of how good this rider is. It's like you're, it's like you're scanning them. Bike, clothing, position, speed. Terminator style, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And then it either comes out with a ding, ding, tick or a... So I like this idea that we are, we welcome everyone. Oh, yeah. We're all out on our bikes. Exactly, we're all equals. The only thing I would say, actually, the only caveat is when you're in France, especially the south of France, because if I wave to someone, they take that as an invite to just turn around in the middle of the roads and come and try and ride with me. And that's a bit annoying. I'm got, not going to lie. But just a hello as, as you're going by, add that in. I like it. It's a friendly wave then rather than, than an invitation to be followed back to your house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so number two, and in this section, we always look at applications for new and existing positions in this club. We've got one team doctor so far. We're still considering a replacement for me as chairperson. We want a club secretary and we need our club Stan slash Sylvia. Uh, but this week, James has got in touch about a club chef. James says, if you're looking for a club chef, the best candidates are either Hayden Groves or Alan Murchison. Now, Hayden and Alan, you might not know you've been nominated, but if you're listening, please do get in touch. Email us at gtcc at crowdnetwork.co.uk and maybe send us some samples of your work because we probably do need to taste your work before we can appoint you to this prestigious committee. Yes, most definitely, Tom, because, well, they might not even be chefs, but I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're great. But uh, (laughs) yeah, let's just remember, this is a club. It's not a world tour outfit. So... I don't really care what your your salmon or your Niswa's salad's like, as long as you do a good burrito, <laughs> a cracking burger and chips, that's all that matters really. Oh, I'm baking. You've got to be a good baker. So yeah, carrot cake, Welsh cake, as long as you do a good one of them, you're in. Lovely. Okay. And then finally, the third item of our meeting is the club song. So in episode one, G, you decided Alicia Dixon's The Boy Does Nothing was the GTCC anthem. But Liz Miller has got in touch to say that she wants Road to Nowhere by Talking Heads. Uh, she says it sums up the bus feelings on stage races. Road to Nowhere. What do you, what do you reckon? Where do you stand on this? Talking Heads or Alicia? Uh, I'm more of an Alicia fan, to be honest. Uh, Thought you might be. Yeah. <laughs> but I can see where Liz is coming from. But no, I'm sticking with Alicia. Sorry. Right, let's stick with Alicia. I believe that David Byrne from Talking Heads is a keen cyclist. Maybe we can get him on the pod at some point. Um, but in the meantime, if you can come up with a better song than The Boy Does Nothing, we might consider it. For now, Alicia stays. And that brings our meeting to an end. Cheers, G. Cheers, Chairman Tom. That was the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks once again go to Garrett Thomas, I suppose to me too for being interim chairman, to our team doctor Sharif, to our club secretary Louise Gwilliam, our head of music Emma Hickman, our treasurer Diane Barker and our honorary president Mike Carr. And most importantly, to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.